Hello, and welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you space burgers out there, comfortably settled in to the furthest recesses of our known universe, out here in a little cave, away from all of the world's troubles. Uh, a reminder that uh, the animated comedy special One-Headed Beast that me and a whole bunch of people made years ago is now streaming on Amazon Prime. If you have that service, it's the easiest and best way to see that. Perhaps you have mixed feelings about... Uh, the global juggernaut Amazon. I understand that. So if you don't have it, I do have it on DVD. So if you want to see it, go to davidhuntsberger.com and there are two versions on the DVD. You're like, who has that dead technology? Well, it's the only place to, to have two versions of it. The me and the animation and then another version that's just fully animated. I have more shows coming up this weekend in Denver, Colorado and Watertown, South Dakota. If you want to see some stand-up comedy, again, davidhuntsberger.com. Ticket link right there on the front page, as well as the show's page. Love to see you in Denver, especially. And just had a weekend in Austin. Sorry, this episode's a little bit late. I wanted to get back from Austin and uh, just say thanks to everyone that came out. It was it was really great to see. It had been a while since I had been there, and it felt like forever since I had started doing stand up there, and just the way things have changed and yet stayed remarkably similar. It was just it's nice when you go back to a place where you're like ah feels just like home. And thanks to Maddie and um, Penelope Club, friends of the show and Space Burgers, who came out. And I got to hang out a little bit with Penny, and she's going through some health issues. Nothing major, hopefully. So it seems like she's on the mend. But anyway, I guess that's just something we're always hoping to avoid in life, and yet it seems to keep coming up. So I hope you're staying healthy and happy out there. Always a pleasure uh, seeing the clubs. And Penny's such a great artist. She made me a little um, breakfast taco Christmas ornament. Thank you for that. And and seeing a whole bunch of old pals that I had started comedy with or just hadn't seen in years. People that used to be around the scene, having some food at some old places I used to go. And then the shows were really fun. Anyway, it was great to be back in Austin. I enjoyed Houston as well. Um, if you haven't been to the secret group down there, secret group TX, pretty fun comedy venue. So if you're in that area... Go check it out. See a show. They do good work. I really enjoyed it. But you're not here to hear all about that. You want to hear part two about Scientology. Why would you not? The first part I thought was really fascinating. More tales, more stories in this one with Conrad Romo. Enjoy. See, the thing is, this this might actually make people think hey you know what this is good <laughs> they I, I, I'm gonna go check out Scientology <laughs> I had no idea Hubbard was a musical genius like this <laughs> the power source Apollo stars how did you keep this away from me yeah this is this is the power of source by the Apollo stars uh oh oh sorry man we're just getting into jamming don't don't you deprive us 
Oh my god. Power of Source, baby. I was hoping to... Okay, I just advanced... There's, there's, there's one song I'm trying to find because the, the, the chorus is we're moving in, 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 we're moving in. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I, I, I know a guy who was part of that crew that was done somewhere in, I don't remember if it was Central America or South America, but one of those other Americas. And they apparently um, went in this town and they rented this theater and it was just so dusty and Hubbard had to sing with the dust. And he said it just it was like it was just so difficult to clean out this make this, you know, clean and, and suitable for Hubbard so that they can come in and they could record this thing. But, you know, they they did that, you know, mm-hmm. so that. His name is got it. Got Hol- it laid it down. His name is Homer Schomer. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I worked with Homer Schomer. That's crazy that that's a real name. Yeah. Homer Schomer. Yeah. If you if you Google him, you'll you'll find his, his he was he was uh, involved in the Sea Org for a bunch of years. Oh yeah, so <clears throat> we left off kind of talking about people applying some of the steps and then I want to hear more about that, like what's, as far as the tech, useful. But then secondly, nowadays when you hear about people like fleeing, leaving that compound that's east of town, and or just like if you drive by the building where the Sea Org, like a lot of them live, I think, all the blacked out windows, or they have, you know, like all of them have the exact same type of curtains. You can't see into any of the rooms. And that feeling of like an oppressive kind of, you've signed your life away, you're into this, you make 50 cents a day or whatever it is. Did, did anyone you know that's in your group of kind of like, hey, we're all Scientologists, did they come from that deep in it? Yeah, I mean, back then, I didn't know anything about that. So, you know, um, that, that that's, I, I just was not aware of any of that stuff. And this is also, you know, that place out in Hemet, I think that was built in the in the maybe sometime in the 80s or maybe even early 90s after I was I was out mm-hmm. um but you know my friend Spanky who was in that going clear documentary and in in um Jeffrey Wright's book um you know she's got a real dramatic story about you know and she was a she was a very very devout Sea Org member she was you know uh, Travolta's not handler but she was like his his um, you know his confidant kind of yeah um and um so she was she was uh, uh you know important in, in in a number of respects and and she just got uh uh really shitted on and 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 put in uh, like real uh harsh uh environment and her kids were you know uh not cared for properly and when she saw that that's what you know caused her to to flee and she's got a real dramatic story that was you know um told in, in the book and in the documentary mm-hmm. um so i know her i know a few other people that that had like real dramatic uh, and, and and tough escapes but um so when but, you get together and chat about it you're not talking about like escaping because you're like, well, I just kind of like stop calling, stop showing up. But other well, people how, are like, yeah, that's how it was for me. But but Spanky had to, you know, 
you know, tell some lie about why she had to go do something and she had to like make some furious call to somebody, just meet me right here. And, you yeah. know, and then she had like, you know, step out, like and pretend like she was doing something and then run and jump in a car and take off. And, you know, um, so, you know, she had, she had stories like that. I mean, I had, I had my, my other friend, uh, Tori, I mean, she's also really, um, uh, I mean, she's been on YouTube a, a bunch of times. She's been on, you know, Larry King show and and you know d- different talk shows because she was somebody who was in for like thirty years or so. And um, and uh, and both these people are people who had like gone all the way up to the bridge, so they had gone kind of gone about you know as far as you could and, and receiving the services, yeah. you know, and and being true believers and. Um, and then you know they got all this shit happened to them, and and that you know Scientology would say that they pulled it in, you know, and it's just a, a you know they just manifest it all, but um, you know, but I know them; they're not like evil people. You yeah, know? they had had some bad stuff just happen to to, to them, and um, but the 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 it, it's not a good example really. But I was saying about the tech. Yeah. Like some of the stuff, like well, it's a funny term even to just call it tech, where it's like it's tactics more than anything almost, or, or procedures or steps. When people say like, "Oh, I'm working my steps," I'm being thankful or grateful, or I'm working on my breathing, it seems like that more so than like you're not yeah. putting on a cool headset and seeing the world differently or something. Yeah, that stuff wouldn't cut it in Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> Those sort of steps, like breathing we, and all that sort of stuff. We're talking technology, not some thedy weedy bullshit. <laughs> breathing. Lay it on me, this tech. Then, so it's not—it's not actual like little microchips and circuits. It is still human steps that you're doing, but they, it's called tech. Yeah, technology. But I mean, technology is like a device, like this mixer we're looking at, or this computer. This is technology. Oh, you have some misunderstandings. <laughs> some misunderstandings. You have some overts going there. You—you you definitely need some some uh, sec checking, some auditing. That's undeniable, it. sure. Um, no, Hubbard. Hubbard was all about you know. Uh, <laughs> an exact formula to, so there's there's an exact way to to uh, to audit there's an exact way to handle this an exact way to handle that and he has all these volumes that that he, that, he, that uh, have been compiled on these things uh, and if you vary on applying the technology then you are labeled a squirrel mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah, you know i hear what you're saying but like when you uh, this is how i interpret it no fuck you you're a squirrel you're going to be thrown into <laughs> ethics you're going to get a you know you're gonna be, get your ass burnt unless you, you know, you you, you come straight and, and clean up. So is that it, as it, simple it, as like when I'm auditing, I hold the cans. I know it's supposed to be vertical. I hold them at like a 45. It's oh, more comfortable for my wrist. You were a squirrel in the making. No, is that no. real? Like that would be a squirrelish behavior. Well, I mean, it's not like that, but it's like you know. But the, the, there's a way of holding them so that you you're not squeezing them and you're not like holding them too loosely. So there, there's like there's a formula for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, you told me this one thing about not to jump in there, but maybe this ties into it. Where I this is if I were going to share anything, I suppose just in casual company about like oh the things you think you know about Scientology outside the building, you can see people walking along with clipboards talking to people, and they you know want, hey can we take a quick survey? And you were like they're not taking a survey, they don't care about your answers, they're working on matching your or just being one above where you're coming from from an emotional standpoint. So if you say, get the hell out of my face, and that's a two on a 10, 
they don't want to come in angrier than you at a one. They want to be a little more like, okay, all right, but not just a 10. They want to be a three, which is kind of like, well, what is it that you don't like? You know, I thought that was really fascinating to where you're, it's not a flies and honey kind of thing, but it is similar. Like you yeah, can communicate I, I, with people if and, you're close. And, and I don't even know if they're doing that anymore, but it used to be kind of like a usual part of like course material where you were doing this. I don't even know what they call it now. It used to be the HQS course, Hubbard Qualified uh, Course, uh, Scientology course, and and you you know you would learn some basic things, and then one of the things would be this um, tone scale. And Hubbard wrote a book called Science of Survival, and um, one of the interesting things about that in book, and I don't know if they've edited it out, but the earlier versions, he, you know, he talked about his viewpoints on uh, homosexuality, and he would say that it was an aberration, mm-hmm. you know, um, because if our main thrust as a human species is survival, then how can two gay guys survive? Come on, it's it's obvious it's an aberration. <laughs> so, mate, yeah. So you know, but. Um, but they do have this thing called the emotional tone scale, and it's it's it, it goes up to uh, tone forty. That's the very top. That's um, that's you know, and I can't even remember like the exact definitions now. So me talking about this, you know, like if a Scientologist heard me talking about the tone scale, and if I couldn't give an exact definitions, I'd be Squirrel. you know, yeah, they'd write up a. Uh, a knowledge report about me and send it up to the ethics officer and I get called in to like, what the fuck are you doing? These are grown people. These are adults doing this. Yes. Yes, Responsible adults, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Good responsible. Yeah, because, so at the top of the scale, you know, uh, is is tone 40 and the very bottom is, you know, I don't even remember what the bottom is. 1.1, I remember that because that's probably what I am. Covert hostility. 1.5 is antagonism. 3.0. What the hell is it? I don't know. High up there is serenity of beingness. That might be at the very top, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And 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 you're clear that's where you're ideally supposed to kind of be. It's very zen-like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, But most Scientologists would like to think they're at serenity of beingness, you know. But, um. But when they would do this, part of the course would be to, to, to send people out in the street and ask some bullshit survey questions. And it was just so that they could practice being able to spot somebody else's um, emotional tone level, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and then the, the, the way you would work with the tone level is, like you said, you would, you would, you would match. So if you're uh, 1.1, then I would, I would uh, the, the tone level right above that, I think, is 1.5. Um, you know, so I might I might confront you a little bit antagonistically, and then you're going to match me, and then we would keep kind of I would pull you up the the, the tone level to a point. So where you like, come to me with a a thing, and I go, I just talked to one of you idiots. Yeah, and then you respond with how? Well, I because I, I don't remember the exact uh, emotional tone scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, it was like, it, you, you you would match whatever you you would see where they where they were, and a good Scientologist would know this. But I've been out for so long, and I'm sure. a bad ex Scientologist. I don't remember what it is exactly. You but know, then, so I get the idea. Like just the back and forth would take a while, five minutes maybe. Where by the end, you would ideally have brought me all the way up to where we're both going. Yeah, we're yes. we're we're in agreement. We're 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 speaking. Uh, you know. We're, you know, we're just speaking. We're, we're communicating. We're getting stuff done rather than, you know, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. But you, would it be conceived or like, 
perceived as a failure if I don't even know if you'd have a supervisor someone watching you do this you go over the person goes get the hell out of my face if you take that for an answer okay sorry to bother you like would you have to stick in there and be a pest and go I know how you feel but you know is that part of it that you have to walk away with a win well you're graded on everything oh this is kind of funny I just happen to have a picture of the Oh, I gotta, I gotta share this. The tone scale in full. Did you draw these little things on it? No, those, those, oh, those, those are part those of are the official drawings. <laughs> I saw at the at the recent Fringe Festival a, a woman that I know did a show called Squeeze My Cans, mm-hmm. and, and it was about her life in Scientology. How you know she spent over like a half a million dollars, Oof. like six hundred something thousand dollars to to get to her top level you know and here she is like you know trying to get you know pay what you can at a french to get a little bit of money back because they're not giving her any of her money back (laughs) please tell me she at least got clear no yeah no no she's uh, she's ot she's she's high up there in ot levels yeah thank goodness but here she is like using all those abilities and powers to (laughs) to do like shows at the fringe for like pay what you can yeah in hollywood no one cares about it they just could not care less. like it's a, it's the what right now it's a hollywood fringe people are flying in from all over the world like i'm going to hollywood no one could no one cares that's pretty sad it's just too big of a city like if you go to some of the other fringes it's it's a big thing happening there oh the fringe is coming to town but the hollywood one i've never really understood and i feel bad when i walk by it like if i happen to see a venue like oh that's hosting one of the friend shows we should go never do I, I went to two shows, and her, her show was pretty good because it, it showed me like her Scientology journey, which is you know very different from mine, you know, and you know she, you know, spent a hell of a lot more money than I did, and, mm-hmm. and you know she was in, in, involved in a way that 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 I wasn't, you know, and you know see her aftermath as yeah. as well. Um, I think one thing I was going to ask you. You're talking with Spanky. Say this woman, you invited her over to one of your like sort of an expat, ex-Scientologist get-togethers. When if if there's ever a feeling like, man, we should storm the castle. We should go in and you know our friends who are still in, and or people that are just unfamiliar. You know, in the Truman Show, if you went back in and like, game's over, folks. I caught ya. But whereas if you go into Scientology, are you just met? Does it feel like Manchurian Candidate? And people unfamiliar with that, just kind of like this glazed-over look of, what do you mean? You'd be like, it's all nonsense. This is all bullshit. Yeah, Come I, with us. I, I like if I if I try to do that like that big complex off of Sunset near Vermont. You know, they, now they have security guards all over the place, so I couldn't get too close without being tackled and thrown away or arrested. And, yeah, you know, I, I had a friend years ago. I tried to find some footage on his. His name is Frank Nataro, and Frank. Um, he was, you know, like it was like me and, a, you know, he was maybe even more of a gung-ho Scientologist. And, you know, when all this stuff happened and those, those, those tapes that I talked about earlier were, were circulating, Frank was, was just enraged and he wanted to expose him. So he um, he put all of these, uh, I didn't see the costume, but I'm just saying what I heard that he put like uh, like ping pong balls all over his body. 
and he went parading. He even had like a mm-hmm. sign, and you know, and 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 you know, kind of alerting people, you know, bullshit, and that these were what they called uh, uh, theta bodies, or it's like one of these Scientology <laughs> expressions that was one of these things you're supposed to remove from, um, you know, a lot of auditing. You're, you're able to get rid of these things, and so he was like, he put on this costume, and, and he got he got beat up. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty badly from 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 what I I, I gather, you know, um, you know. I mean, one of the good things about being a small fry is like I I wasn't attacked, yeah. like I will be after this damn show. But, <laughs> but does um, that worry you they have, that they have ears everywhere? Well, like my life is not so connected with Scientology, so if like you know somebody else stops talking to me, like am I even going to notice it? You know, it's like it's not like my wife that I don't have is going to leave me, or like my business partners that I don't have are going to kick me out. So, you yeah. know, um, you know, so I, 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 I don't, I can't, I can't imagine. Maybe, maybe this will, you know, somebody's going to like going to protest outside my house. I got nothing. Yeah, you, you can't get anything from me anyway because I, I don't have anything, you know. Um, but that was part of the thing also. Is like Scientology was so about empowering, and and so much about communication, um, and and freedom, and but it doesn't demonstrate those things because you can't really communicate freely. Yeah, you know, you can't really. Um, it's about controlling, you know, and 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 um, so it's just. It's just not consistent uh, that way, you know. I mean, Scientology will will there will be these things like um, about these pronouncements about like say freeing the uh, uh, clearing the planet and saving the planet and and uh, you know and there'll be all these pronouncements that Scientologists will show you about all these you know keys of the city and all these uh, decorations and Le- Leah's show has has pointed to this all these kind of false statistics uh, stats. Uh, and and accomplishments. So you would think a Scientologist would think, you know, we're doing great all over the place. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's 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 not a um, uh, it's not at all about compassion. You know, it's it's for the able to become more able. But yeah. if you know this time you're this lifetime you're financially unable to buy the you know whatever you need to to move up the the bridge, then maybe next lifetime for you. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's 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 you know it's 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 you know my little example of them just having me sign that document so that they wouldn't be liable should I become so depressed I shoot myself uh, you know that's like it's just their their business and they're protecting their 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 business yeah the <clears throat> the thing you mentioned about sex, uh, homosexuality being an aberration and then with and this is purely speculation but I think they bring this up a little bit and going clear that like they have some stuff. From the from the auditing sessions on like say Travolta, oh, yeah. and then they could reveal things. But I, doesn't it feel like we live in a time where even if he's kind of aware of that, or if there's any inkling that he wants to get out, whatever they would have on him, people would be like that's fine, man. No I, one would really care. Yeah, I would, I would, I would hope so, but I don't know. But he's been in for so long, you know. Yeah. I mean, when I first got in, we're about the same age. When I first got in, it was that place. It's not even there anymore, but it's it was this place off of Eighth Street near Alvarado. Now they've moved that. The Celebrity Center is now on Franklin yeah. and Bronson. Um, but when I first got in, he was you know uh, he was brand new too. He, he uh, Welcome Back Carter had hadn't even started yet, 
or maybe he just started, mm-hmm. you know. And coincidentally, we both had the same kind of motorcycle. It was like a Honda 450, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, if I ran into him, if I, he wouldn't know who I was. But if I said, maybe back then, the old 8th Street, the other guy with the Honda 450, oh, yeah, he'd remember me. Uh-huh. You know, we, we have some friends in common, you know. Um, but that's been like, what, 40 years or so he's been in? That's, that's his whole his whole life, his whole support system. It'd be... It'd be real hard, you know, yeah. to, 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 to step out of that and, and to kind of look at this big chunk of your life that, that maybe was a lie or, or you know, um, not what you intended, but you lived anyway. And, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's difficult. And like I said, it's some of those, it's, some, it's like that, that, that habit energy. Like there was, this is like, like a little example of like one of the, um, like some of the formulas, like the technology again that Hubbard has, he has this one formula. That he's got an ethics book, and there's all these uh, conditions that one uh, moves through uh, in order to get to a place of power. You know, the first one would be, um, and I has a bad exercise. I can't remember the first one, but the first condition is like when you go into place and you're brand new. Yeah. And there's a word for that, a name for it, the the non, I don't know what the hell it is anymore. But but as you move in, you, you go through that, you find out like, you find out what's needed and wanted and you deliver. And there's an exact like ABC formula, you know, and you do that. Um, and then you could move out of that condition and you move to the next condition. And one of the conditions above that. Uh, is the emergency um, there's a formula called the emergency formula and the only thing I remember from that is you bypass a junior normally in charge I've done that so many times you know as a salesman you know I'd make a phone call and the secretary would say say whatever they would say and try and be an obstruction bypass a junior normally in charge you know uh, the, the thing that served me really well as a salesman one thing that Hubbard said was uh Speed of particle flow alone determines power. Another thing he said was uh, power's ability to hold one's position in space. So how I interpreted that when I first got into the phone sales, I saw that uh, phone sales could be uh, a tough business. It could be tough to, to, to do. It could be uncomfortable. You know. So I saw guys, you know, every chance they got to go, uh, go get a, a coffee or go take a piss or to talk about it. anything to like stay off the, the, the phone. Yeah. And, and I just, I stayed on the phone, um, you know, and, and, and uh, power's ability to hold one's position in space. To, to me, let me just, just sit your ass down and stay on the phone. Uh, speed of particle flow alone determines power. That meant make more phone calls than the next guy. So I did. I made a ton of phone calls. I dialed fast. I pitched fast. You know, I was able to identify, um, you know, uh, a, a, a prospect. Uh, I, I stuck with the pitch. I got good at the pitch. Um, so when you're to back up a second and like catch so that, up so, with that, this. so that's that, that's a little bit of a, a, a technology that that I I had a hard time not doing and not shaking because it was because it worked you know <laughs> it's so weird to call it technology <laughs> but i get the idea that like it, it makes me think of 
someone comes in, say, you know, someone came into the junk show and they were very gregarious and wanted to help and this and this. And then maybe after a period, I wouldn't even notice that they had started to maybe, they want something. You want to be the best salesman. These things are teaching you tools how to get into a place. And so people that do the Travoltas or whoever, any institution they are involved in, have a healthy dose of like keeping people at arm's reach because you never know who's been trained with these weird technologies to weasel their way into your life and or who's just genuinely like, hey, I just moved here from wherever. I just want to be a part of it. That would make me leery. You know, if I'm the other salesman guys, like, who the hell is this guy? He never goes to the bathroom. He doesn't drink coffee. He's always making calls. Would you be able to tell them like, no, no, it's this technology I use from this or could you, it has to be a secret? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it, it was, it wasn't those things that Hubbard said weren't a secret. I just that's how I interpreted them, and 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 I was hungry, and I I wanted to move my way up the bridge, and and you know, it meant that I had to make some money. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing was handed to me, and um, so and, and everyone kind of has it. If you're from wherever in the world, whatever your work ethic instilled in you by your parents or whoever, you're going to be there making those calls, and then when you see someone get up to go to the bathroom, you go, ah, they're lazy. But it just feels different if you're you have a mantra or something that's like speed of particle determines you know flow or whatever. Like that's a different one. That's different than like hanging their baby with the cat hanging from the branch or like more of a, a traditional kind of work ethic thing. Yeah, there's all kinds of weird technology. There, there's a movie that um, Bogdanovich did. I think it was called Some Came Running or They All Laughed or something like that. Um, and there's a scene in there where there's an actress named Colleen Camp and she's you know she's had a kind of a long career small parts here or there she had, she was like one of the the bunnies in apocalypse now mm-hmm. um and um i think that landed her in penthouse because of that one time um but there's a tiny ass part that Colleen has in in that movie where she's doing a scientology touch assist um i asked actually um Bogdanovich said he was doing a Q&A at this little theater, uh, Cine Family, that isn't there anymore, and they showed some crap movie that, that um, was rarely seen. And I happened to be in the audience, so I said, you know, that thing that Colleen did, Scientology, touch assist, were you aware of that? Did she just kind of like spring that on you? And he said that uh, he was aware of it, uh, and he was okay with it that she had done it to him uh, like one time on set, and he thought it was okay, you know, because uh, it's it's a kind of a a, a benign uh, little thing, but it was like this weird like a little introduction of Scientology, and that's a technology. So so if you said you had a headache, mm-hmm. what I would do is I would have you um, you know sit relaxed in a chair or lay down, and and then I would. Um, uh, give you the command feel my finger and I would touch like one side of your head and you would uh, acknowledge uh, that you had you say yes and I'd say thank you and I would say feel my finger and I'd touch the other side of your head and you would uh, yes, acknowledge it. Yeah, thank you and I would just continue that so it would be like that that echoing thing of like one side of your face one one hand other hand up and down your your head your your, your entire body that sounds and, like a springboard to molestation <laughs> 
it might might be early Reiki. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was there, there's like an exact uh, method for doing a touch assist, and you and you continue doing this as long as it takes until the person you know has some sort of a change, some sort of a shift. You know, the pain goes away, and um, uh, I'll tell you. So that's that's a little, little, little bit of Scientology that like Scientologists would 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 believe in. You know, they had this thing called, and this is like real low level stuff. You learn this stuff for like in this first or second course. They had this thing called a a contact assist. So if I you know bumped my arm into this table and ow ow, ow so you would duplicate that exact same motion in that exact same place. You know, and you would do this over and over again until that thing would go away it would you know so rather than being the effect of this thing you're being cause over it mm-hmm. you know you're 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 confronting this thing so you know it's not like if you burn yourself then you got to burn yourself for that exact temperature you just wait for the pan to cool down yeah. you know but then you would just duplicate that 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 motion you know or there's if you if you hurt yourself amongst the scientologists you know Scientologists would be would be quiet around you while you went through your pain. They would not want to speak anything that would go into your unconscious. Yeah. You know, um, so there's like you know there's some stuff like that that like Scientologists would. And I found myself kind of being quiet sometimes. Some still around people in situations, or I find myself kind of being somewhat Spock-like. That was a, that was something that I had to unlearn, mm-hmm. you know, that like if, if you told me that like, yeah, my dog just got hit by a car, I, I wouldn't, and the, it was hard for me just to say, oh, shit, that's bad. That's, oh, I'm so bad. I would just Spock it out. I just look at you and say, thank <laughs> you for telling me that. <laughs> That's when it starts to feel like a cult. Is when you're doing stuff that yeah, until maybe you every, felt better that I did that, and you go, "Hey, maybe he's got something." There. You didn't subconsciously inter, you know, interfere with my process of grief. Thank you, but you know, every behavior we have is learned. You know, I guess when we go back and we watch chimps, where they, you know, one of them bangs their wrists, and you see the other one at least come over, or maybe offer them something, or just put their hand on their shoulder, and go, "Oh, it's sweet." Like that's in us. We have those behaviors. They're like instinctual, instinctive. But then you get into, you know, why do we break down when so? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. We think that'll help, but we don't really know. We, you know, sometimes people get upset. We're like, don't email me after a loss and say I'm so sorry to hear about that. Got it? That doesn't do anything. So maybe I would prefer if someone just went, "Thank you for telling me that." Seems so creepy and strange, though. Yeah, it's just when you know Hubbard's Hubbard's had a son named Quentin who uh, apparently killed himself. Um, he, you know, I mentioned the thing about the Scientologies, uh, and I don't know if it's in any of the books still, but some of the old literature you you would find this, you know, with their conclusion about homosexuality, mm-hmm. um, and Hubbard's son uh, was going to be his successor. Um, he was at that time when I remember the last time I saw him was like in her early 70s or mid no about 76 I think it was or 77 anyway he so he, he was probably in his 30s he, or 40s no he was early 20s oh okay so he had him later in life because he was like around then he must have been pushing 70 right yeah I don't know I have to look look at the old Scientology timeline okay. here I'll reference that when I get anyway. Home, yeah, the young twenties guy is going to be the su- successor. Yeah, but he was he was he was gay, 
you know, and and um, some people would say that's why he killed himself because he knew he couldn't live up to dad's uh, standards, you know, or maybe he couldn't accept his own homosexuality, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing what he knew about Scientology and then knowing now what he's finding about himself, is, you know, so it was sad. And I remember uh, I was at some job with a bunch of the Scientologists, my phone sale job, and I saw that in this little story in the paper and I went to talk to some Scientologists. Was senior Scientologist, and they just, you know, um, kind of reminded me. Just kind of don't, don't, don't fan the flames of that story. It's not going to do any good. You know, put my attention uh, back on uh, my, you know, course material and working my way up my own bridge. And yeah. you know, we'll we'll take care of what needs to be taken care of. And did that know, feel like on. the first time that you couldn't? say hey what what the fuck yeah yeah that was one of those things and i and, and there was some other thing like that, that kind of concerned me you know i had read in a time magazine something and, and i remember i talked to some guy and he said uh this time i actually thought it was kind of cool he said uh yeah we're not one of those other turn your other cheek religions <laughs> and i thought yeah that's how we're different <laughs> yeah turn the cheek yeah give me another one it's like no scientology will fight fucking back yeah i thought i thought that was cool mm-hmm yeah, when you see it happening in, especially Leah Romani's thing, you're like, boy, that is not only something they do, that is like a number one tenet of the, the whole makeup, is that we don't take crap. We will come after you. We'll make things up if we have to, but we will we'll come back. And I thought that was... I want to touch on another thing, too, that you talked about with, like, feel my finger. Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel like I'd be susceptible to that. If, if I had a headache and someone did something like that, and I afterward felt a little better. I went, what was that? And they told me, I would at least be intrigued, especially if I didn't know anything about it. If they said, oh, it was a Scientology thing, I'd feel like, that ah, get it off me, just for a number of reasons, I guess, from what I've been exposed to. But say I was a kid, I'm your age, and like kids do that to each other all the time, little things where, I remember my sister did this thing where, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple kind of thing, but you reverse your wrists so your fingers are all pointing at your chin, your thumbs are pointing away from you, but your arms are crossed. Then you try to like wedge your fingers into the steeple thing. If you do that and have someone come over, your fingers are right below you, and then they say, "All right, right when I point to it, move your finger." They'll point to a finger, and you'll go and you'll always move—not always, but when you're a kid, you move the wrong one. You go, whoa, what? <laughs> you were pointing right at it, and I moved the wrong finger because your brain is associating left and right, and they're just crossed up. And if someone told you like yeah there's more where that came from yeah. when you were a kid you go yeah that's amazing tell me what tell me more of that stuff and i associate the feel my finger kind of in that way but adults being more susceptible yeah, the, being like i want to know more of that yeah that there's stuff like that you know they, they give you a little taste of some stuff that's how it was for me you know i i i did that first course and i remember it was a communication course and and um I think it took a couple of weeks to complete, but but I thought I was looking at things differently and people were looking at me differently. I felt different. It also marked then about three weeks that I hadn't gotten high, so that uh-huh. was maybe also part of it. Yeah. But, um, but I was really intrigued that, like, I thought I, like, you know, the like a new pair of glasses thing. I felt like I, things looked different and I thought that people were perceiving something that was different about me mm-hmm. you know uh, so it was just a little taste but I feel like I, I, I want some more you know there was there was a thing that I had heard about early on called uh, 
in Scientology, they call it exteriorization. Um, you know, other places would call it like out of body mm-hmm. traveling. Um, and, um, you know, that, that was one of the things that like at the higher level, um, people are supposed to be able to at cause exteriorize. I wanted to be have those kind of magical powers. Yeah. You know, uh, there was a guy named Ingo Swan. Um, and there was a movie. I, I don't know if this is completely true. So, uh, but there was that movie like Men Who Watch Goats or Oh yeah, the Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. So that was that was kind of based on some of that. You know, the government get involved and and you know um, these powers that people might have with their mind. And and mm-hmm. I I heard that Ingo was part of that thing. I, I I heard that he was part of that group that was you know part of the Stanford studies and they you know had tested him and he had drawn you know what was uh, you know had yet been seen deep in space at some planet later that confirmed like, like what Ingo could do. And uh-huh. uh, and I remember hearing Ingo uh, at the place where I used to study, like talk, and I just, I was fascinated. Like, I, I, I want to be able to do that. I want those powers and, um, you know, and, and, you know, so that was one of the things that was kind of dangled out there. Yeah. You know, you can potentially achieve powers. No, not potentially. You 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 were guaranteed. Oh, you, you were guaranteed these powers because you knew that the te- technology again works a hundred percent of the time if applied. You know, um, standard technology applied hundred percent correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, works hundred percent of the time. And you know, yeah. if it doesn't, it's because you fucked up. It's you have a misunderstood, yeah. and you got to clean up your misunderstanding that you know altered. You know the the, the results. They, they, I know in the documentary they talk about they went after high-profile sports people, actors, actresses, etc., like the Travolta type, even though it was <clears throat> before uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. But what, was there something like that you didn't really know you were looking for? You see Ingo, you go, oh, yes, I'm looking for that. But then he goes out and he gets in a crappy car and drives away. And you go, eh. You know, are there, are, you see an actor... On a billboard, and you go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I want that level of whatever you know success." Were there things that were you know when you would watch someone be a jerk, or were, were there were there cracks in just the the person? Because for them to put all their stock in our highest and best achieving, that's what we want everyone else looking up to. There would be some nervousness, I would I would assume in that. Like, what if they go out and? commit a crime what if they're in the paper for something bad do they just kick them out immediately or did you see anything like that that made you feel like yeah i don't know or was it always like ingo's rad and i want to be like that yeah i didn't i didn't think about anybody failing you know i just i i just was like a true believer you know mm-hmm. i mean um he still is a musician and still is a, a guy chick korea he had that band return to forever and like in the in the 70s it was like a super grant, a super group. It was, um, oh shit, and I'm doing that thing. I'm blanking out of names. Al Demiola was one of the incredible guitarists, and Lenny White, I think, was this great guitarist. Oh, Stanley Clark was a great bassist with them. Chick was was great keyboards and piano. They were they were it was it was, and I really liked that type of music. Them Weather Report. They were kind of like they were both great, mm-hmm. um, you know. So. Um, and Chick is still like playing, you know, many years uh, later. And, um, you know, Karen Black at the time, I mean, I, th- 
she might even be dead by now, but at the time, she was like about the hottest actress in Hollywood. She'd just done um, that movie with uh, Nicholson. Um, Chinatown? Five Easy Pieces. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was it. Five Easy Pieces, and she had done, no, she wasn't in Chinatown, but she was in uh, Great Gatsby, and she was in, oh, I can't remember now. But there was like several, several big time uh, films, you know, that, that she was in and, and um, you know, Travolta was doing, he was just starting off, but he was like, you know, one of the most popular TV shows. So you and, felt like you're in that pocket. You're around all these people that are doing great and you're just next to bubble up. Maybe. Does everyone kind of feel that way? Well, I, that, that it's, it's our, it's our, that, that potential could all be, you know, realized, you know, to achieve whatever you wanted to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, so whether it's to the arts or whatever, you know, um, you know, I mean, I worked in a phone room, I worked, I, I did, I did door to door sales and then I worked in a phone room, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who was my, uh, first phone sales manager then kind of took a look at the at the stuff that he was teaching us how to basically work on the phone and he and he realized that he could teach the same stuff to guys who were um who had just gotten their license to sell you know um on wall street uh that had never used the phone before you know so he bill teach them taught them um basically how to how to how to prospect more effectively and he wound up um becoming pretty wealthy you know, and he becoming, was a Scientology guy. Yeah, he still is too. Mm-hmm. It was like some forty years later, and you know, wow. um, so it's the same. The same, you know, it's just it's just recognizing this tool works over here. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's 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 there, there's some very smart and innovative uh, people, and 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 it's kind of translating different uh, different skills. And uh, but yeah, I wanted you know, I wasn't too I wasn't too in love with me and and happy with my existence and I wanted something else. That was like the big the big lie for me. I always thought there was something out there that would make it all better, make it all go away. You know? So <laughs> well, the, I, the two things you just referenced, I feel like you watch any documentary about cults, it's you'd be surprised how highly educated a number of the members in this cult were. That transcends almost every cult it seems like and that sense of purpose that sense of like, can I be the best of me? Can I belong to something where people have that same drive? And will it solve this sort of existential thing we all have? That seems really common in all of them. So it seems like you were a perfect candidate for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I, 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 was, I was susceptible to just about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could have, you know, my cousin was in the Moonies for a while. I could have... Um, the the neighborhood uh, I grew up in Cypress Park and at, the, at the, the the neighborhood on the hill right above us Matt Washington that's where the self realization fellowship place was I could have gone up there and mm-hmm. and who knows maybe uh, that would have been <laughs> better for me healthier for me I I, I don't know well her like um, Leah Romani's show is called the aftermath and it just occurred to me just hearing you know the 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 kind of main points of your I don't know, pursuit or journey through, whatever you'd call it. You're, um, you know, you go from drugs to then wanting to belong, be a part of something. It's almost like it became your new drug, kind of addicted to this pursuit and working the tech. And then at some point, you know, so for being in that and wanting to be like this, 
what was the guy's name? Ophi- nah, um, oh, Ingo? Ingo. Yeah. Uh, wanted to be like that, like levitating things or seeing beyond the stars or just powers, so to speak. And then there's an ego involved with that. And then as you step out of it and you're content to just like, I'm just going to kind of make calls and do sales. You're a great writer. And it's not like you walk around with your chest out like, I'm this generation's Hemingway or something to that effect. But you could. So what, from all the Scientology teachings and learning or pursuing it, what was it that you left with as far as who you are? That you t- like, that are you disappointed in or, or extremely satisfied with? What's the most zen? What's the most, you know, <laughs> is that too much? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I left Scientology, I was, I was, I was just very uh, damaged and confused, you know, for a, a, a bunch of years, you know, because mm-hmm. um, this... Um, thing that I thought was uh, uh, so truthful and and um, um, you know I read the label I thought and and I and I believed in all the ingredients uh, and then only to find out that like it's it's not that at all <laughs> uh, so that was that was that was hard to take um, you know um, the ego that you mentioned is very very strong in Scientology mm-hmm. um, and I didn't I didn't even fully appreciate, you know, um, what the ego was, um, and um, so it, it, t- it took a while to just kind of, you know, drink myself into a different place, and then kind of uh, overdo that, <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of, you know, kind of terms with with that, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I did, I did. I did a lot of uh, drugs, and then I quit when I got into Scientology. But when I was in Scientology, uh, I did two um, detox programs. Um, but as soon as I graduated from both of them, um, Scientology is fine with drinking, so I went right back to drinking. And I just like I overdid that, um, kind of broke that in me. So I quit that a long time ago, and and uh, so then it, that kind of led to. You know, a different kind of reflection and a different kind of appreciation. And you know, for, for me, though, that one of the big conclusions is, is there's is that that saying, "There's no there there." You know, I thought that I thought that Scientology, you know, was pointing towards you know, as they call it, like this bridge. You know, with with an exact formula and exact steps that one could take to overcome and achieve all, and you know, become mm-hmm. godlike and and. Only to, to come to the conclusion that's it's it's not true, um, and um, so I I, I I stopped like looking for that thing out there, you know, and and become a little bit more. Um, uh, I attempt to be more grounded and just being uh, being present with mm-hmm. with what is, you know, and that uh, you know not. I'm not that um, I, I my approach or my my pursuit kind of led me to uh, Buddhism. So that's that's what I do now. The, the, yeah. the, the funny thing is, like Hubbard claimed, uh, he, one thing he apparently wrote was called "Song of Asia," and in that, like he speaks of himself as being, you know, <laughs> the Buddha. Of course, you know. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you get to a point where people are revering you like a prophet or something like that, you, and ego is something that's a part of it, and it trickles down to every facet of this thing you've created, 
the top has got to have just an un unbelievable ego that yeah it's not outside the realms be like oh yeah yeah that other thing i'm that too i'm i am it turns out i am buddha <laughs> but your your overall demeanor is very that makes sense to me but it feels more than that more than just like the buddhist kind of just here experiencing it it seems like from coming through all that stuff all the searching and having them tell you that like it's just one more step then we'll tell. Then we'll pull the curtain back and reveal what life is and what it all means. Oh, you're you're at that step. It's actually another step, on and on. And then, did it give you an awareness of like just existentially kind of going? Oh, yeah. I don't think we know. I could be a goat farmer, or I could be the the most ambitious, whatever fill in the blank pursuit in the world. You know, I don't know what what matters. I, I, you know, I see nothing wrong with like you know working hard and achieving goals and and you know uh, excelling you know, but but it's that, but just recognizing what that drive is and and what that thing of uh, of of not being enough is you know. So the big the big question that kind of resonates so often for me is like, what is enough? Mm-hmm. You know, and and what am I doing? You know, and that this whole idea of. Um, uh, that thing out there that's going to fix it. So you know, in in being present, I could just recognize that those those urges, those drives, those thoughts, and just recognize them for what they are, and I don't have to, you know, have that uh, overpower me. You know, so before I would have to try and drink those things away. Yeah. You know, or or you know, try and. Um, you know, and in Scientology, the things I thought, if only I had that, you know, then I'd be okay. And, you know, and again, it's just like another, another urging, another feeling, you know, so just, it's, it's, it's a new thing. I just had to like develop a, a vocabulary for feelings, you know, and, and identify like, what is that thing, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, allowing feelings to, to arise at the same time. You know, I I don't want to fan the flame and make them more than they are, and and uh, and at the same time I don't want to like kill them off. You know, just because they're there. Yeah. You know, um, so I mean, I'm you know, I, I I like the idea of of of, of magic, and I like the idea of of um, uh, you know something more unique and and better than just this. <laughs> <laughs> But it's but at the same time it's not as depressing as like that was that Patsy Klein, not not Patsy Klein is like is that all there is song? I don't uh, know if that I know that one. I'm sure if I heard it I'd be like oh yeah yeah yeah. It's a it's a real real sad song. You know <laughs> is that all there is? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something very very beautiful that I that I appreciate in just like just this moment, just this breath. You know, just this. Uh, you know. It's not the next breath or the breath that I used to have or the breath I, I might have. It's just like this is, pre, you know, there's 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 something that I could I've come to appreciate in just like just this moment. There's something that I've come to appreciate in like simplicity and the beauty of like black and white photography here, mm-hmm. you know, or a, a simple meal, you know. Um, so I I like stuff, you know. I want more, but but I but I recognize that 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 urge as well and that. That, that urge and that drive, you know, um, to get away, you know, is, is, is not as strong. I've, I've like, I've, like I, I don't know that I would be, 
uh, in, in sales, you know, I, I had to have like a thirst for blood and eventually I kind of lost some of that thirst for blood. <laughs> so I just wasn't as good as a salesman anymore. I just didn't didn't care just to sell something just to feed my face yeah you know it's got to be got to be a little bit bigger uh and, and better cause than just that mm-hmm. i was just reading something about the one of the actresses from american pie and she then she now lives in south africa and just started a, a foundation that works with animals and just tries to help animals and i feel like that's so weird that at the end of your life when, when people are viewing it, when there's suddenly a lot of eyes on a certain point of your life, that's all you are. And then yet, if they look back, say she does this for another 50 years or so, like, oh, she got you know this notoriety from this tiny little thing, and she parlayed that into this enormous thing that now expands. Who knows where she'll go with it? But I just thought that was fascinating, and I love when people do that. This town, especially people get bucked off a horse they just can't stop thinking about getting on that same one over and over again and then some you know it's not like you're more the analogy there would be that like you kind of just got tired of riding that horse that was it's not really going anywhere new yeah and i just and, and i just chased that for so long and i was you know i was taking all kinds of courses you know outside of scientology beyond scientology i was taking you know workshops here or there i was like trying to get you know another session a type of therapy into the type of a of a you know the newer this and you know i want because i just i was so uh, uncomfortable with just being me you mm-hmm. know i thought something else would you know i fix me or change it and it, it you know it, it, it took a long time for me just kind of like you know to kind of like shake that idea so now i'll take a course because i want to take a course you yeah. know um and it might be interesting i might get something out of it i might not you know uh but i do it just because i'm, I'm curious about it and not because like i'm so fucked up i got <laughs> right I gotta, I gotta get rid of me okay well, final thing here i'll wrap it up um and thanks for, I, I don't, you know, you mentioned right out of it talking with a woman and kind of shaking and like, so it seems like you've progressed quite a way from that. I hope, but I hope this hasn't been too yeah, like, no, emotional no. or. Yeah, no, I just like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a healthy thing. Cause like I said, I, I seriously was that way for a long time where I couldn't talk without, uh, you know, my body would be vibrating. <laughs> well, now it's just, you know, it's, 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 I could, I could talk and or not talk about it and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 kind of fun getting to uh with some old scientologist friends and learn some stuff that i hadn't heard of before and you yeah. know some behind scenes stuff but if you could talk to 19 year old you or say a kid that's right now just similar to you 19 whether they're on drugs or not and they're just kind of finding the feel my finger thank you (laughs) they're getting that oh you know kind of first glimpse of this shiny thing that you know they advertise around LA they'll have things forget what you've heard believe what you see Scientology they're advertising they're trying to drum up new members so say I'm a kid and I'm 19 I see that or the radio ad that you heard for the first time from a musician you liked what would you say to that kid or even have anything in mind well, I use I use that analogy earlier about like you know, reading the ingredients on 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 the container, you mm-hmm. know, and and maybe so. There's a lot of ingredients that go into Scientology or, or anything, you know, and and I would um, and now there's so much more information available just set on the web, 
you know, so you don't just have to read the ingredients and take it, you know, uh, by the manufacturer's um, uh, word that this is what is in there. You know, you could look up some of those ingredients. You could look up like what others have to say about this thing. You could watch videos. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of information that one can learn about anything. You could see, you know. Their Yelp <laughs> reviews, or you yeah. know, uh, you know, when I was in, there wasn't the stuff, so we just kind of went went along with it. But you know, that's the thing: Scientologists themselves are not allowed to read the ingredients on their own stuff that they're ingesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to kind of like, is this good? Yeah, it's good. It's the best stuff. <laughs> okay, thank you. How much again? All right. You know, a Scientologist cannot question or even read the ingredients. They just have to just take it in because this is what we say it is. And, yeah. You know, don't question this. But but anyone else doesn't have to, you know. Well, I'm glad you discovered the ingredients were not for you. <laughs> Got out of there. And then I, I um, hope you keep writing. I think you're so talented with that and – um, and this is the first time I think someone's read it. Do you have a final piece you want to go out on? Anything that I, 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 I have kind of a funny thing about about uh, 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 barley. Sure, um, Hubbard. Here's here's like a I, so I did this one job where there was a guy. So Hubbard Hubbard claimed. Um, well, I'll just read this. It's it's, it's, a, it's a fairly short uh, a, a piece. Um, it's it's based on. Um, uh, one of Hubbard's uh, a cognition is is a is a common word that is used in Scientology or cognited. It's like a realization, okay. you know. Um, and um, so this was Hubbard's formula, uh, a baby barley formula: fifteen ounces of barley water, ten ounces of homogenized milk, three ounces of caro corn syrup as Romans had honey. Two ounces of honey may be used instead of corn syrup if desired. L. Ron Hubbard claimed he cognited this formula when he remembered a past life as a Roman centurion. He claimed it was high in protein and his formula was far better than breast milk. A fellow Scientologist shared his vision with me as we sat on the balcony of his house in the hills of Beverly. He made his fortune as the inventor of the beanbag chair and believed his next million would come by mass marketing LRH's baby formula. I went to work for him sometime in the late 70s. He had an office on Pico near Beverly Glen. I was excited about the idea of working close to a rich guy and had high hopes that I too would become wealthy. Here's what LRH said. Breastfeeding babies may have a nostalgic background, particularly to a Freudian-oriented medical, but real breast milk, again, is usually a poor ration. Modern mothers smoke and sometimes drink, and sometimes drink. Smoking makes the milk very musty. Anyway, a nervous modern mother just can't deliver the right ration. Maybe it's the pace of the times or the breed, but there are a few modern Guernsey-type mothers, so even without drinking or smoking, one should forget breastfeeding. That's what Hubbard said. The beanbag mogul wanted to take the formula that LRH recalled and improve improve on it by making the stuff in an instant powdered formula. Just add water and voila, you had the best baby barley formula on the planet. It had to be since LRH direct recall of what the Romans fed their babies and they were world beaters. 
I so strongly believed in everything related to Scientology, I felt the stuff would sell itself. All I had to do was get moms and their precious babies to try it. I used the yellow pages and called any store with the baby-related products. I could find an offer to drop off free samples to any willing mother. I drove all over town on my motorcycle and made deliveries. But if any sales ever came of my efforts, it wouldn't have been... It would have been after I was fired. The last words, the instant Bailey, baby Barley would be, would be mogul said to me in the tone of disgust in his voice were, you're no salesman. I managed to sneak a few containers of the baby barley on my backpack out of the door on my last day. On more than one occasion, they would serve as my only meal of the day as I try to figure out what I'd next have to do, what I have to sell and in in buying my way up the bridge to freedom, it actually tasted pretty good. <laughs> Conrad Romo, this has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. You're welcome. Pretty wild stuff. Scientology, I know there have been a lot of documentaries, there's television shows, but each person's story is so unique and full of new insights, and uh, it's a wild trip, man. So, uh, And there's there's a bonus piece of that um, in the Patreon. I don't know if... Uh, I think he started talking about it after we <laughs> stopped recording about trying to sell this elixir baby formula that L. Ron Hubbard had created. And uh, it's a pretty funny, just like little 15, 20 minute thing that we get into. So if you are a member of the Patreon, you can listen to that a couple bucks a month, 50 cents a week. Uh, you can you can belong to a, a secret group that gets secret content, extra content uh, pertinent to this show. And it is made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. So thanks to those of you who do support the show on Patreon. And yeah, a little extra in there from uh, Conrad as well as a bonus song by our pal uh, Krestovsky great musician friend of the show uh, gonna play some of his music in the Patreon so check that out and um, thanks to Dan of course for putting the show together sorry again it's a little bit late this time but I wanted to wait until I was back from Austin to uh, to put it out there so um I don't I don't know that there's like a steady I know the podcasting world is competitive you do want to get stuff out there at a at like a routine style but you know every now and again the the release date fluctuates a little bit anyway hope it didn't throw off your schedule too much thanks for supporting the show uh, come see me in Denver and or Watertown South Dakota this weekend I'd love to see you mention you're a space burger I'll give you some sort of free merch I just recently screen printed uh, some stickers with the new logo with the cave logo on them so you can get some real punk rock handmade stickers by just mentioning you're a space burger I'll be at the bug theater in Denver on um, Saturday and uh, at the at Sassy's on Broadway in Watertown on Friday so if you live in either of those cities or near them, come on in, say hello, and I would be delighted. Again, One-Headed Beast is on Amazon Prime. Thanks to those of you who have watched it and specifically reviewed it. I think that helps the algorithm, just like with this podcast, although we've been doing this one forever. It, it hasn't like lit up the, the ratings and <laughs> reviews section of Apple Podcasts. That's fine. I feel like it's just a little secret group we all have here together. Um, but the special, I would I would genuinely love it if, uh, if it did get a little bit more um, publicity 
for people to see it because we did all put a ton of work into it. It was fun chatting with Penny and talking about that, like all the different things and how many different people were involved and all interacting. It just felt like one big team, artists and animators and builders and Timothy Bond, the set designer or set creator. He just made the whole thing. And uh, anyway, it was great. A lot of fun and good to go back and kind of relive some of that. See the Velveeta Room. If you haven't seen that in Austin, go check it out. It just gets better and better all the time. Really cool old staple of not just Austin comedy, comedy as a whole. It's been around forever. It's the best. Okay, let's get out of here with some music. This is by Pearl Charles. It's called Sleepless Dreamer. I hope you like it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Game. <laughs> 